We are all so close to football season. Welcome back, Bucks fans. It's another rendition of a few extra bucks here on pewterpirates.com. I'm Mike Neighbors, along with my partner and Bucks insider, Roy Cummings. We appreciate our title sponsor, House of Brews and Lutes. You got to visit this place on Dale Mabry in Van Dyke, not your average everyday neighborhood bar. It is so much more. This is the House of Brews. A few extra bucks podcast. Roy Cummings, I got to bring you in here. You know what? I know fans are excited. Training camp, we can smell it. It's almost here. But you know what? If you're a beat writer, if you're a member of the media, and and frankly, if you're a player, I'm not going to put the coaches in here. This is kind of a weird time because you're thinking, you know what? When things start heating up next week when they report, you know, my life's not going to be the same for the next six months. I better enjoy these next couple days in this week. Yeah, you do. You know, it's uh, funny about the NFL calendar. Uh, you really only get, uh, if you're a reporter like we are, Mike, you know, covering the teams regularly, you get about a month uh, off. That's what the offseason has become in the NFL. It's that month from the middle of June when mini camp ends until the middle of July when you start to gear up for training camp. And, you know, what happens now is everybody, you know, the first week, the week before training camp is really when people like us get back to work as we're doing with the podcast here because we're previewing what's going to come. Uh, everybody is so anxious uh, for football to start and uh, there's, there's a great uh, desire for uh, new information out there and uh, everybody wants to know what, uh, what the status is of the players and you know, when things are going to get going. And so, yeah, so that all starts now and we're in that, uh, we're in that realm now. I mean, here we are a week from today, uh, Mike, that we're, we're taping this on Thursday, yeah. a week from today, the Buccaneers will hit the field for the first time uh, for training camp 2018 under uh, head coach Dirk Cutter. All right. If you're listening to this podcast on PeterPirates.com, everybody, you got to understand something about Roy Cummings and myself. Um, you know, we talk quite a bit. We exchange text during the week. We don't have the exact flow of this podcast, and we like to keep it that way. We don't want to be too scripted. We want to really kind of delve into these subjects and and, 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 you know, just give our natural thoughts and not script too much. I think that will make it easier for you to listen and maybe better because it will be more of a frank view of this football team. So let me throw this one at you, Roy Cummings, since we don't talk about every question I'm going to ask you. You know, we got to start with Jameis Winston. You know, he's been the focal point of this football team for so long. And, of course, the biggest distraction of this football team entering training camp. He's going to have to face the music when training camp opens. I think a couple of reporters – have tried to talk to him. You know, he had the workout recently where his trainer had the T-shirt, Jameis against the world, another PR hit that wasn't good for him. You know, if you were Jameis Winston and you got up there and you're facing the media for the first time after all of this, and you know you're speaking to the fans, you're speaking to so many people who either have supported you or who have never supported you, you know, what do you say? What do you say to to try to, to win some people back? Well, I think you got to start um, by you, you just have to apologize. You have to. And, and I think James Winston should do this as soon as the team gathers. I, I think he should stand up before the team during the first team meeting and apologize to all the players and say, look, I, I misled everybody in this building uh, a year ago. Um, I was wrong in every action I, you know, I, I was involved in during this Uber ride incident. Um, and then I think he needs to come out and do the exact same thing. Uh, to the fans, and the way you do that, do that is you speak to the media. Um, get it out of the way, day one, first thing. Uh, you, you apologize and say, look, I'm going to show you, because, because 
actions do speak louder than words. And he needs to emphasize that, you know, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to say it now, but I'm going to show you over the next course of the next, you know, 10, 12 years, as long as I'm here with the Buccaneers, as long as I'm privileged to be a part of this organization, that that is not who I am. And then you go out and you start living, the, you know, you start living that. And the way I think he does it, if I'm Jameis Winston, is I go back to doing exactly what I was doing prior to this news coming out, the way in terms of interacting with the fans, the media, and everything else. If, not, if anything, you make yourself even more available because, you know, we are forgiving souls. I mean, we, we all tend to do that. If you admit the mistake, people tend to forgive you pretty quickly. Um, they may not be happy, but they'll forgive you. And the more you interact with fans, the more you inter- interact with the media, the more likely those people are all going to become, are going to be rather to uh, forgive you for the mistake. And then it's a matter of going out and showing it on the field. So there's three steps he's got to take here. He's got to apologize. He's got to back it up. And I think he's got to, and then he's got to show it on the field. And, and I, I just think that uh, if James Winston is smart, that's how he'll go about it. Now, the other thing that has to happen here is the, the Bucks as an organization have to allow him to do all these things. Um, they they tend to want to protect their players, but I think in this case, uh, James Winston's got to take the reins here and he's got to say, look, I've got to go out there and I've got to say these things uh, to my teammates, to the organization, uh, and then to the fans. And you know what? When he has when he when he speaks to the team, he should speak to everybody in that building. I mean, no doubt, sell tickets, no doubt. people who sell no, advertising. Light, nobody supported him more than Jason Light. Yeah, everybody. Every, everybody from the from the lowest man on the totem pole to the top. Uh, apologize to the entire uh, community of, uh, of the Buccaneer organization and then go out and do it to the Buccaneer fans. You know, I've supported Jameis Winston for a long time, but when this broke and everybody talked about, well, it happened two and a half years ago, and you and I discussed this in our last podcast, but he lied, you know, seven, eight months ago. So there is that. And that, to me, was a big issue. But when it all came out, I remember I wrote about this in a blog on PeterPyrus.com. You know, Jameis Winston referred to a Dr. Seuss book last season called Happy Birthday to You, something he gave some of his teammates. And he, he quoted several passages that hit home with him the most in the Dr. Seuss book. One of them was, quote, today you are you that is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. And Jameis Winston said, that really stuck with me because we are all our individual selves. Nobody can be us more than us. It's so simple. Change is good at times, and I'm working on my patience, but you are who you are. And you know what? Jameis Winston has gotten off with that his whole life. You know, he's been a great athlete. In high school, I'm sure he threw interceptions, but he was so much better than everybody else. He won state titles. At Florida State, we saw him throw interceptions. He was so good, he won a national title. But I kind of got tired of hearing that with him throwing interceptions in the NFL because at some point, Jameis, you got to not just be youer than you. You got to be a better you. And that's on the field and that's off the field, Roy Cummings. And that's what I want to hear from Jameis Winston that, you know what? I've done a lot in my life that hasn't been good and I need to change. I want to hear the word change quite a bit when he speaks to the media, not only, you know, on the football field, but especially off the football field. Yeah, I agree with you, Mike. Uh, that that is a word that ha- we have to hear, and uh, uh, change would be would be good because he's. Uh, I want to hear change and better. I want to hear him say, "I'm going to be a changed person. I'm going to be a better person." And for the fans, he's got to tell them, "I'm going to be a changed person and a better player." 
Um, I think he's been a good player. Um, in fact, I think he's been a very good player. I think he's been exceptional, really, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, the bottom line doesn't necessarily reflect that when you look at the record, but uh, I don't think that's necessarily his fault. But at the same time, he can be better and he has to work towards being better because here's the thing. Uh, I think Jameis Winston for the last couple of years, for the most part, until we heard about this, was getting the benefit of the doubt from a lot of fans. No you know, doubt. They were believing that he was heading in the right direction. You got it from me. <laughs> right. As a, as a person and a player. But now um, the, the leash is a lot shorter. Uh, fans are not going to be as uh, lenient. They're not going to be as willing to forgive the mistakes on the field because they know – because they, they can't trust the player off the field. When you know you can trust the player off the field, you might give them a little bit more slack on the field. And I think Jameis Winston, you know, lived that for, for the first couple of years with the Bucks, but now he's not going to get that. So um, he's got a lot to, he's got a lot of room to make up and a lot of ground to, to regain here with the fan base and the organization. So uh, the, the real questions about him after that first day of training camp really begin uh, in, in week four, when he comes back and, you know, more than likely faces the, the bears. Uh, how does he play football? You know what? This is our training camp preview, a few extra bucks podcast. So we had to get the quarterback out of the way, no matter what's happening there and delve into that. And that's a, the biggest story anyway, entering camp. You um, know what's funny, Mike? <laughs> two years in a row now where really when you go, the Buccaneers are going to training camp and one of the biggest, if not the biggest story is about somebody who's not going to play for the first month of games. You're exactly last right. Year was, last year was Doug Martin. Yep. You know, what are they going to do about him? Now it's Jameis Winston. What are they going to do about him? Uh, not, not, a, not a good way to start a season, but uh, I guess the Bucs are getting used to it maybe. Well, that's why you don't make the playoffs because playoff teams, they have the, everybody has distractions, but some are much bigger than others, and the Bucs have been too big the last couple of years. That's a great point. All right, Jameis Winston obviously is the biggest story entering camp, biggest distraction. What's he going to say? You know, what's going to happen with Fitzpatrick and, you know, um, and everything regarding the quarterbacks? But – Away from the quarterbacks, what's your biggest question mark? And I'll delve into mine after you answer this question. What do you want to see out of this training camp? What What are you going to be really looking for? That uh, It could be a, a battle. It could be a player that really needs to step up or somebody to win a job to really make this football team better. Well, I think the biggest focus stays on quarterback simply because, you, you know, the, the Buccaneers have to develop a true comfort level and a confidence level with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, let's not forget, the last time this guy started a season, it didn't go very well. Now, he played fairly well for the Buccaneers a year ago. In fact, he played really well for the most part. Uh, won a couple of games. But he's not going to be facing no. you know, the Dolphins and, 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 and teams like that he faced a year ago. It's going to be a little bit tougher this time around. I think the Buccaneers have to be sure that uh, what they've got in Ryan Fitzpatrick is what they need in a quarterback to start the season. Um, you know, you and I've talked about it. I think there should be a bit of a competition there. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> I know, I know you disagree, but I think there's gotta be a competition. You gotta oh, have I your best disagree. guy out I there. Think, I think Ryan Griffin to me is the Ryan to really watch because he's younger and I covered him in new Orleans and I, I I've seen potential with him for years. And I think he outplayed Fitzpatrick. You know, I mean, I don't know if he outplayed him, but he looked really good. He looked every bit as good as Ryan Fitzpatrick in the preseason last year until he had the injury. So to me, yeah, that's something that's going to make the preseason very exciting. 
Yeah, it is. And, and you know what? You're right, Mike, because last year for the Buccaneers in training camp, at least, uh, and through the preseason, uh, Ryan Griffin did outplay Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick had a slow start. The question's going to be, let's say the same thing happens this year in training camp and the preseason, where, you know, you start to look at Ryan Fitzpatrick and you say, well, that's not really good. Uh, he can do better than that, can he? And, and yep. then you get into games and you say, boy, you know, really the better player was Ryan. What, what if that happens again? through training camp, they go to opening week, what are they going to do? Again, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If, if I'm the Buccaneers, because you can't afford to, to, to you know lose all these three games without Jameis Winston, you're not going to have your best quarterback out there. you you, you got to make sure that you don't start off 0-3. I just think that there's a potential uh, for a short leash on uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and that they can pull him quickly if he uh, if he struggles outside, you know, right out of the box, out of the gate. So, I think that's something to watch now because the quarterback is so important. Uh, beyond that, uh, I'm anxious to see how they dole out the carries at running back. And this kind of ties into the quarterback situation, Mike, because if no matter who the quarterback is, I don't think they're going to want to give him the same game plan that you would give Jameis Winston. You probably want to dial it back a little bit, a little less pressure on the quarterback, especially if it's Ryan Griffin. Yeah. And potentially, if it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, a different style game plan for him than you would have for James Winston. And I think in both cases, uh, you know, whichever Ryan it is, you're going to want to, the Buccaneers are going to want to run the ball a little bit more and control it more and lean on their defense. So I want to see how they're working out the carries uh, with Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber and Charles Sims. How are they working that? How effective are they? And then, of course, how does that defense look? I mean, they've done a lot of good things in trying to rebuild that defensive line, paid a lot of money, uh, spent a lot in draft picks on those guys. Um, secondary is a little shaky, I, I think. Uh, that's, that's, the, that's the part I want to see because the secondary to me, you know, Brent Grimes has been solid. But you know what? How much does he have left in the tank? And also Vernon Hargraves, to me, you know, people can talk about Jameis Winston. He's obviously such a controversial guy for the Bucks right now. But how about Vernon Hargraves? I mean, he had so much promise after that rookie season. I know he was hurt last year, but but Roy, he really fell off last year. He did. And and the Buccaneers did not draft him to be a nickel corner. There's no, no question. That 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 is a fallback position and the Buccaneers were hesitant to make it last year. They didn't want to make it. Uh, they felt they had to um, because they were getting better play on the outside from other players. But, boy, think about this, Mike. What if what if Vernon Hargraves isn't any better than he was a year ago? And what if Brent Grimes all of a sudden hits the wall? And, and believe me, you and I have both seen it uh, in our time covering the NFL. We've seen players suddenly hit the wall. It comes out of nowhere, and all of a sudden they're just not that guy anymore. You wonder if Brent, if that's going to happen to Brent Grimes. I mean, I'm not predicting that it will. I was I thought about it though. That's why I said it. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. could happen. I mean, it's dicey. I mean, I understand that the and, and look, I know fans are thinking, well, wait a minute, we went out and we drafted a couple of cornerbacks and a safety and all this other stuff, and yeah, that's great. But think about how good the best rookie cornerback is in the NFL every year. Yeah. What what does he get? Maybe maybe knocks down eight passes and picks off two or three. That's the best. So think uh, you can probably expect, considering where they the Buccaneers drafted their new young cornerbacks, to get about half of that kind of production. And for those guys, get toasted every once in a while. So there's a real concern, in my opinion, because I think you're right, Mike. 
the, the other area that you really have to keep an eye on is what does the secondary look like? I think, the, I think you know, I'm anxious to see just what the, the, the game plan is in the secondary. Are they going to be more physical? Part of the problem last year was a lot of zone coverage, uh, a lot of soft coverage, a lot of off coverage. Uh, I think the Buccaneers just as a group, um, you know, have to play more physical and more aggressive in the secondary, uh, closer to the line, bump guys at the line, that kind of thing. Um, the question is, do they have the players to do it? Uh, guys like Brent Grimes, Vernon Hargraves, a little small. Some of the new guys, a little bit bigger. So we'll see what happens there. And I know it's, uh, you know, underwear, but Carlton Davis from Auburn, you know, he, along with MJ Stewart, drafted in the second round to put a lot of pressure on Vernon Hargraves. But Carlton Davis looked really good in the offseason, OTAs, minicamp. Once they start hitting, it's going to be fun to watch Carlton Davis. You know, you talk about cornerbacks in the short window. Well, it's fitting that Darrell Rivas retired because he was uh, arguably, besides Deion Sanders, maybe the best cornerback in NFL history. And you saw you saw his game kind of on, de- on the decline when he came to Tampa. The window is very small for these cornerbacks. I mean, you saw it firsthand with Rivas. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, uh, no, I think you're right. Carlton Davis looks good. But you know what? You just can't put too much into what you see of these guys without the pads on. And, and even when the pads do go on, you know, that, that, that first two, three days of training camp, everybody's excited about camp starting up and, yeah. and we're anxious to see the athletes and, and, and see them, you know, display their athleticism. Uh, that's fun. Um, but, you know, even then when the pads go on, it gets a little bit more interesting. But really, you usually don't find out how good a, a cornerback, a rookie is, until you get about halfway through the season. Sometimes you see it earlier. But about halfway through the season is when you find out what a guy can really do right now and you know, how much they've got to learn. It's, it's the toughest position, really, I think, to learn in the NFL. No doubt. Uh, is cornerback, even tougher than quarterback. Um, playing that position is very difficult, especially for a rookie. Uh, and, and that's why I think another reason why I would like to see the Bucks just be more aggressive. You want to give these guys a, 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 an earlier, a better chance Get them up there against the line, you know, right on the line of scrimmage. Let them play some, you know, let them bump some guys. Um, that's going to help the D line. I think it's going to help the secondary. But you know, that's a scheme thing, and uh, so we'll have to wait and see whether uh, Mike Smith's got that in his uh, in his playbook. I think Ronald Jones. I think Carlton Davis are going to be preseason stars. It's going to be fun to watch both of them, uh, youngsters on both sides of the football. But the thing that you have to be the most excited about, on paper anyway, entering training camp. If you look at the defensive line, boy, what a difference a few months make. Of course, you have Gerald McCoy, but you also have Jason Pierre-Paul, Vita Vea, Vinny Curry, Bo Allen. And, oh, yeah, Noah Spence is coming back. He's going to be healthy, too. And then you have William Golston probably coming off the bench. So, boy, this defensive line, it could be great, Roy. It has so much potential. It, it does. And, and the good thing about it, and you know, again, fans get hung up a lot of times on who's starting on the D-line. Don't get hung yeah, here's a tip, folks. Don't get hung up on who's starting. I can tell you right now that Gerald McCoy is going to get 80% of the snaps every afternoon on a Sunday. That's going to happen. Um, but but probably nobody else is going to get that much work. Um, maybe Jason Pierre-Paul will get 65 70%. But here's the thing. The game plan is to make use of all these guys. You know, Vinnie Curry, uh, all the new guys. Vita Vea, obviously. Uh, yes, Will Golston. Uh, Noah Spence, they're going to interchange these guys, move them in and out. Bo Allen, they're going to move these guys in and out. And you know what you're also going to see? 
You're going to see linebackers up at that line of scrimmage in three, four schemes. You're going to see them doing a lot of different and things. Good linebackers. And and the key here is they're going to make use of their depth. What the Buccaneers have right now, as long as everybody stays healthy, which is always a question, but as long as everybody stays healthy, they're going to be able to mix and match depending on you know the matchup they've got and the situation that they have. So that's a strength that we haven't had. We haven't seen the Buccaneers have in a long time. Um, so don't get worked up about. Uh, two things. Don't get worked up about who's starting and don't get worked up about somebody being a 10 sack guy. It doesn't really matter if you get to have a guy with 10 sacks. What matters, I, I'll tell you right now, I'd rather have six guys with eight sacks than one guy with 10 and the rest of, the rest of them with three or four. Right. And I think the Bucks have that opportunity. They've got an opportunity here to get, you know, four or five guys with uh, six, seven, eight sacks. I think they can do that. Spence can do it. Uh, McCoy can do it. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, Vita Vea could possibly do it. Uh, you could just see that that number four or five guys getting all those sacks. I, I think like a baseball team, one guy may have 50 homers and nobody else has over 10. You'd rather have a yeah. handful of guys have 25 homers on a baseball team. Yeah, I mean they've got guys who can get you know who can, who can get after the quarterback. You know, Jason Pierre-Paul is going to help McCoy. McCoy is going to help Vita Vea. Vita Vea is going to help McCoy and Jason Pierre-Paul. They're all going to help Noah Spence. Uh, it, it's going to be a different Vinnie Curry. I mean, I think he's arguably maybe the most underrated player on that on in that group because a lot of people kind of say, "Oh, okay, that's nice," but you go back and look at what he did last year in limited time. He had six sacks for the Philadelphia Eagles. Not a bad football player. I think the one great thing about Jason Pierre-Paul, and you talk about snaps, that guy has proven in this league that he plays a ton. He's really an Iron Man out there, so it'll be interesting to see if he still has much left in the tank. All right, before I get to our final new segment we're going to have on a few extra bucks, let's go to the offensive line because there's some change there as well. Of course, you have you know the brand-new center in Ryan Jensen. You move Ali Marpet again. Uh, Donovan Smith is a year more experienced. You hope DeMar Dotson recovers from an injury. But, boy, a lot of moving parts there, Roy. What do you think of this offensive line for the Bucks? Well, I think it's stronger now than it was a year ago, uh, partially because you have a center who has been a center. You're not teaching somebody yeah. to play center, and it's it's not a second-year player who you know you you really should have left a guard. Although he played center just fine, Ali Marpet played center just fine. Um, but you know, I look, I'm a Donovan Smith fan. A lot of people, you know, uh, people look at Pro Football Focus. And they see the pro football focus has Donovan Smith rated as, you know, the 73rd tackle in the NFL in terms of pass protection. You know, not every left tackle in the NFL is asked to do what Donovan Smith is asked to do, uh, which is stay out there on an island by himself. Uh, and for the most part, if you watch him play in and play out, uh, you'll be pretty happy with what he what he gives you. And the Bucks are. So I think they're strong on the left side now with Donovan Smith and Ali Marpet. I think they're strong in the middle with Ryan Jensen at, at center. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about the right side. Um, it looks like, uh, you know, Don, you know what's going to happen with DeMar Dotson? You hope he's going to be ready for uh, for the start of the season. That's got to be the objective. But I think right guard is really the uh, uh, the spot that you got to watch most closely right there. You know, let's see what happens there. Well, we know that they're going to have great receivers. We know the tight ends are going to be there. But I think we touched on all the big question marks for the Bucks in our training camp preview here on a few extra bucks, our podcast that's uh, really gained some steam, Roy Cummings, in the last couple months. And we always want to add something different in this podcast. And we're going to do it with our three and out segment. You know, we're going to talk about the Bucks for the most part, but we're also going to jump around to some hot topics 
in the NFL. And that's what the three and out segment is. And Roy doesn't know what I'm going to ask him once again. We like the unscripted formula for our podcast. So here's number one in our three and out, Roy. Terrell Owens. Now, he says he is not going to go to the Hall of Fame and give a speech. He's going to go to his alma mater, Tennessee Chattanooga. You know, my opinion is, Terrell Owens, you know what? You can do whatever you want. It's your Hall of Fame day. Frankly, I wouldn't do it. And frankly, down the road, I know talking to these guys, and you've talked to them as well, Roy, over the years, the great thing about being a Hall of Famer is, of course, the special day. But it's also going back over and over again and the bond you have not only with your class, but with the rest of the Hall of Famers. And I think one day Terrell Owens is really going to regret this. You know, I was never in a fraternity in college, um, but I assume that when there was a fraternity event, yeah, it wasn't necessarily required, but it was just expected that everybody in the fraternity would show up and, and be a part of it. Well, that's what the Hall of Fame is. It's a fraternity, much like a football team is a fraternity, the entire, you know, fraternity of football players is a fraternity this and this but this is a special a special fraternity and when you don't show up when you decide to blow that off blow off that that one in once in a lifetime yeah, opportunity that's that's, that's to, uh, how he on how he's doing it i mean yeah. here, here's the thing roy with me is it's going to be all splash news social media he's doing all this stuff that's going to get attention and then it's going to die down and you know what it may just be the way i think and like I said, you know, T.O., it's your day. Do whatever you want. But I have, I think down the road when all this stuff dies off, it could be a year. It could be three years. It could be five years. He's going to think, you know what? I should have done it not only for myself, but all the people that helped me along the way. They, they didn't want to be in Tennessee, Chattanooga. They wanted to be in Canton, Ohio. And, you know, I've, I've been a different guy my whole career. I think he's going to have regret. And here's the other thing. You know what? Pro Football Hall of Fame, mention T.O. I know he's acting different, but don't stoop to his level. Don't don't be that person either. I don't like the fact that the Hall of Fame's not going to really mention him on that day either. Yeah, I think that's wrong too. I mean, look, he's he is part of the fraternity. You should mention him because you're right. He has a right to do whatever he wants to do that day. He will regret this. Um, it's it's unfortunate, but you know what? You know what Terrell Owens, Owens has done? He's confirmed all the reasons that it took that everybody wondered why he's in the Hall of Fame anyway. The whole question was ne- it was never a question about his talent. We know no. that he had the talent. It was always a question about character. Was he really a teammate? Because when you talk about Hall of Fame, you're talking about more than just your ability, you know, to catch touchdown passes or or run past a, a defender or whatever it is. It's more. It's as much about the character of the player, and as the as it is the talent. And what Terrell Owens has done is he has absolutely solidified uh, his his legacy as uh, one of the poorest characters in the history of the NFL. And he should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion. All right, and the Our reason second, he wasn't was it because of stuff like this. Yeah, but you know, I, I, to me, that's why I think people have a problem with the voters because you know what? I didn't like Warren Sapp. I didn't like covering Warren Sapp, and I know it's a little bit different. But Warren Sapp was a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's not a Hall of Fame person to me. But he's a Hall of Fame player, and that's all you're voting for uh, with these votes, in my opinion. All right. right, our second one in our three and out segment, you're going to like this, Roy, or maybe you won't. Okay, if you had the keys, you could be a general manager of one franchise, and you can have the keys to the car, okay? Right now, right now entering training camp, would it be your Tampa Bay Bucks, or would it be the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> How about that? Uh... 
<laughs> you know what? I want the Browns. I want the Browns because you know what? I think right now they have a little more potential. I know they're not as deep as the Bucks, but the chance also to me to be like Joe Madden with your Chicago Cubs. I know you're a big Cubs fan. To, to turn it around would be a challenge too. But I think they're 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 kind of a, a team on the on the move here a little bit. Yeah, I think they're on the move to uh, what maybe four or five wins. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'll take the Bucks, and here's okay. why. Okay. A year ago at this time, Mike, you, me, and everybody else associated with the NFL were looking at the Bucks in a completely different light. Yeah. We had them pegged as the darling team of the NFL uh, for 2017, the team that was going to make the biggest leap forward. They were going to the playoffs. They were probably going to go deep in the playoffs. Uh, if everything went right, Jameis Winston was going to become an MVP candidate. Um, everything was looking special for these guys. Dirk Cutter was going to be a, a coach of the year candidate. Um, you know what? It didn't work out. But you know what? It's the same football team, only better. This team is ready to break out. Uh, the James Winston thing is a real setback for them. It could be because everything else on this team tells me they are ready to break out and do something special. Um, I I think Jason Light is fortunate. I think he's done a good job of building a good football team. I think Dirk Cutter um, is is getting better and better as a coach every week. He's got a lot of talent. Uh, I think they're going to be very strong offensively. The defense just has to be a little better than adequate. It's got to be good. Doesn't have to be real good. It's just got to be good. And they, if they can get a kicking game, this team could do something special. So I'm, I'll take the Buccaneers. I'm just, you know, one team's in hard knocks this year. One was in last year. Tyrod Taylor, I'll take him over Ryan Fitzpatrick. I like Nick Chubb at running back. I like Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield. But to your argument, Joe Thomas said, you know what? I'm out of here. So who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Cleveland Browns. Okay, our final three and out question as we go around the NFL and our unscripted podcast, A Few Extra Bucks. Out of these three teams, and you can add a team, but I'm kind of picking three. Everybody's picking the Patriots. Everybody's looking at the Eagles. Everybody's looking at the Saints or the Falcons or, you know, maybe the Carolina Panthers, maybe the Packers. Who's your surprise team in the NFL this year? You have, uh, to me, the Niners maybe with Garoppolo picking up where they left off last year. You have the Arizona Cardinals with Sam Bradford. They have some good pieces there. Here's a team I kind of like, too, that doesn't get a lot of attention. You know, the Houston Texans with Deshaun Watson. I'm really intrigued to see what – Deshaun Watson does. He played so well last season. Then he got hurt. And, of course, J.J. Watt may have a bounce back on the defensive side. Out of those three, I kind of like the Niners because I like the, what they're doing in San Francisco. What say you, Roy Cummings? Well, I, again, my gut tells me that that, that it's the Buccaneers. Um, but wow. since that wasn't one of the men, teams mentioned. You could, you, could, you could throw yours in there if you want. Well, but I've just talked about them. Here's the thing. The reason I'm not a Houston fan is because – I, I just question, look, everybody's excited about Deshaun Watson. Great. Wonderful. You know why? Because Deshaun Watson had a couple of nice games. Good. Um, I, I need to see more out of court, young quarterbacks. I'm not even sure Carson Wentz is going to be, you know, what everybody thinks he's going to be this year. Uh, Eagles ended up winning a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. So uh, a lot of things can happen. But I, I'm with you on the 49ers. I, I just think that John Lynch has quickly done some things there. I think they got some magic going, and I'm anxious to see how Jimmy Garoppolo can play. I, I think he could really uh, step up as, as one of the best young quarterbacks in the game. I mean, 
That's certainly why they paid uh, the heavy price they paid to get him in San Francisco. John Lynch is a very smart guy. Um, I, I think you're right. I think San Francisco has got some things going. They're flying under the radar a little bit. Um, I, I wouldn't surprise me a bit to see them uh, jump up and maybe even win that division and move on. And we could talk about this in a future, a few extra bucks podcast. But in the Bay Area, I think they have it right in San Francisco, the separation between church and state. You have uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan, one of the best offensive minds, and he has a great general manager. And then we know John Gruden's going to run that show in Oakland. We'll see how that turns out. We've seen that movie before in Tampa, but we'll talk about that down the road, my friend. Well, listen, I'd like to thank uh, my partner, Roy Cummings. We're going to talk again when the Pucks kick off. Unbelievable training camp is a week away as we tape this. I'd like to thank our producer and our Denver PewterPirates.com studios, Justin Thomas. He's the guy that makes us look good, Roy Cummings, week in and week out. We appreciate Justin Thomas. Say hello, Justin. What's up? Okay. Got to give Justin a plug. And we'd like to thank our title sponsor, House of Brews. Got to check it out in Lutz, Florida, everybody, off of Dale Mabry and Van Dyke. Not your average everyday bar. Great food, great service. They are so much more. That's this week's rendition of A Few Extra Bucks, our Buccaneer podcast here on PeterPirates.com. I'm Mike Neighbors. Thanks for logging on. Tell your friends and family, and we'll see you again when training camp kicks off next week. <laughs>